between a few passages. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and um, verse 18. Matthew 16 and 18, praise God. My heart's full tonight and um, I'm really excited about you know, talking to you some more about the body of Christ and what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. And, and um, it's sad to me in our day and age that we have taken member of the body of Christ and tried to turn it into some kind of administrative sleight of hand where uh, for most that just means that you're a member of a local church, which for most that means your letter of membership is with that church and that's, that's where you go, that's where you'll get married, that's where you'll get buried, that kind of stuff. And, and it just means so, so, so much more than that. And the Lord has really been breathing on this by the Holy Spirit um, as the servant leader of this family of faith. Um, he's really been breathing on this subject. Um, it's something that he is really emphasizing in this, our 20th year together. And um, let me make a comment, too, on that, because I know some of you are like, man, 20 years, I've only been here, like, this is my third time to ever be here, Pastor Mark, so I haven't been here 20 years. But, you know, when you, when you look at the parables that Jesus taught us, the ones that were there for the whole journey and the ones that came right at the end of the journey were all rewarded the, the same. And, um, you know, the way Father works is, you know, we do what we do for Him and as unto Him, but it's not just for us, it's for people who are coming behind us. And one day when the youngest person among us and, and everybody older is, is in heaven one day, um, if Jesus has not returned to the earth at that point, um, we'll watch people, um, you know, live their lives upon a foundation that we helped build for them. As I was praying over this message tonight, the Lord just prompted me to pray not just for the people who are listening to it live right here, right now, but for the people who will watch it or listen to it uh, in, in the next few days. But because of a digital world that we live in, um, potentially someone could listen to this message a hundred years from tonight. And, and the Lord speak to them through that. He's just timeless like that. Amen. And so, you know, what Father is doing and, and what He desires to do is so much bigger than I think um, any of us have really comprehended yet. But it's good to be a part of it, isn't it? We were talking about this a little bit last Sunday night. You know, we were, we were all created to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Now, a lot of people don't understand what that means. They try to find that in other places and in other experiences and in other memberships, what have you. Um, but ultimately, we were hardwired not just for God. A lot of people talk about this God-sized void or hole in our lives that only He can fill. And, um, and a lot of people are like trying to, trying to put the square peg in the round hole. Well, listen, I agree 100%. There's a part in you that can only be satisfied and filled by God but there's also a part of you that can only be satisfied and filled by being an active member of the body of Christ, having vital connection with other members of God's body. And um, when all Adam had was God, it was just Adam and God. God said, Adam, this is not good. It's not, this is not the best situation for you. This is not how you were designed. We were designed for both God and one another. 
And so that's, of course, when he created Eve. But let's look at this passage, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. I love the way Jesus just declared this. He said, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. On this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. The rock that Jesus is talking about here is this rock of who Jesus truly is being revealed to humanity, being revealed to mankind. This is part of a, of a larger conversation where Jesus asked his disciples, first of all, who do other people say that I am? And then once they'd kind of given those answers, popular opinion of the day, which by the way, you know, can change with the wind. Jesus then zeroed in on, but who do you say that I am? He personalized it, right? And I think he did that strategically because, you know, your mother's opinion of Jesus and what your mother says about Jesus is not the same as what you say about him and what you need to say about him for yourself. Amen. And as Jesus was asking them these questions, and as they began to meditate and ponder, look for an answer in their hearts, the Holy Spirit came alongside Peter and gave him the answer, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, in that moment, Jesus' true identity was revealed. And it's that revealing of who he truly is, that's what the church is being built upon. That's the foundation of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church, right? But until who he is is revealed to people who do not know him, they will never be built upon that foundation. So it's, it's true to say that Jesus is the foundation of the church, but if who he is is never revealed to people who don't know, then they will never have the opportunity to come and be a part. Amen. So again, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. I will build my church. How many of you know when, when Jesus says something's going to be done, it's going to be done? If you read the Bible, you'll find out really quickly a, a lot of things about God. And one of the things you'll find out about him is if he ever says he's going to do something, it doesn't matter how long it takes or how much it costs, he will see it through to completion. So when Jesus stood on this planet as a man and declared out of his mouth, I will build my church, you can rest assured, you can, we would say it maybe this way, you can take it to the bank. You can take it to the eternal bank that his church will be built and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We spoke a little bit last week about some of the things that, that were taking place um, in the latter part of Paul's life when Nero was in charge of Rome, ruling Rome, and, and had set himself up as a god to be worshipped and, and was punishing the church and, and, and killing Christians literally um, by the hundreds, if not the thousands. And, um, and, you know, if you were alive during that time of, of the church's history, it may look like the flame of the church was very near, uh, you know, to being extinguished. But the Roman Empire has been in hell for a lot, a lot of years now. But the church is still alive and well. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And... You know, you hear these reports all the time, you know, the different polls and surveys that are taken in this nation, and people are declaring the church is in decline, that we've entered into the post-revelant era of the church, the church is no longer relevant like it used to be, blah, blah, blah. 
And if you only look at these things within the season of a generation or whatever, you may get this false perception that somehow the church is on its way out. But my friend, please hear me. When Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he was saying a few things to us. First of all, he was letting us know that the gates of hell, the, the schemes, the, the, the plans, the strategies uh, from you know, the kingdom of darkness were trying with everything within their power to stop the building of the church. But he said, try as they may, they will not succeed. Whatever they do, whatever attack they bring, it will not stop because I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I'm not trying to switch wording on you. The, the understanding of the scriptures is progressive. And what I mean by progressive is we know more now that the epistles have been written it's not that Jesus didn't know it. It's just that Jesus, um, well, in one, in one place he said, I still have so many more things to tell you, but you're not able to receive them yet. But the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he'll teach you these things. He'll reveal these things to you. What we know now from Scripture is that the church is also another name for the body of Christ. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. The first he is speaking of God the Father. And he, God the Father, put all things under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So again, if you take the number 23 out of this verse, which was not there when it was originally written, you see there's a comma um, at the end of verse 22, church, comma, lowercase w, verse 23, which, so it would more, it, in other words, the point being made is the church which is his body. The church which is his body. Now, I know we covered some of this last week, but I just, I want to go back to it again tonight because when Jesus declared on this earth, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, he knew that the church would be more than just an institution. He knew that the church would be more than just a bunch of buildings where people came together to meet. He knew the church would be more than just something that would, you know, exist one day where people could gather, but that the church would ultimately be bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, one with him, literally the living, breathing body of Christ existing here on planet Earth. Are you still with me tonight? Jesus knew that. He didn't go into the whole full expansion of that when he said, I will build my church and the gates fell not prevail against it. But we find out later that the church is his body. So he was literally saying, I will build my body and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I'm offering to you tonight that as far as God is concerned, and you do know that, his concerns count the most, right? Matter of fact, we could say it this way. His concerns are the only ones that are important, all right? As far as God is concerned, it's always been about a body for Jesus. What began in the Garden of Eden ends, as far as what we know from Scripture, what began in the Garden of Eden ends at a wedding feast, ends with the head and the body becoming one, becoming united together. You, you say, but the bride and the groom, the body and the head. 
So we could say, I believe without exaggeration, that all of human history has been about building the body of Christ. Adam was created in the garden with all of us in him in seed form, with the body of Christ being the long game, the body of Christ being the long goal, the body of Christ coming forth from Adam's loins, Jesus coming as the last Adam and redeeming us to Himself to become one with Him and become the body of Christ in the earth. If you listen to Je- I'm going to just come talk to you for a minute, amen? i got so many notes, I don't want to confuse myself. I want the Holy Spirit to show me exactly what we need to say tonight, okay? Are you getting anything out of this? I know that, I know that some of this we, we've been a little repetitive on. Man, if you guys think I'm repetitive, you should listen to Keith Moore preach and teach. I, the Lord led me uh, since the minister's conference, and I, I have been, um, I mean, I'm not completely up to date, but I'm almost like, Every, they do um, Sundays and Fridays. I forget what all services they do. But anyway, I've, I've been just like, just like I was there at uh, Faith Life Church. You know, I've been just listening to every sermon. And um, I'm like, dude, if I'm going to ever be as much of a repetitious or whatever as Keith Moore, i got a long way to grow because that brother, I mean, I'm telling you, and he doesn't apologize for it. And one of the things that he reminded me of, that I want to remind you of tonight, is the first time you hear something that's planting it, the second time you hear it is it being watered. And when you plant a seed, it's very important for that seed to be planted. Right time, right place, right season, right conditions. Amen. And the Holy Spirit leads us as to what needs to be planted at what season in our ongoing growth together. Amen? But we also see that to just hear it once and and to never hear it again would be like planting a seed and never watering it or never coming back to check on it, so to speak. Okay? So I'm not apologizing for being repetitive. It's faith cometh by hearing, not by having heard. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. Just because we've heard something, amen, we need to hear it and hear it again and hear it again and hear it again and hear it again. Now, when it comes to this particular subject, there is such an urgency from the Holy Spirit that, man, it's, it's like, I hope I look calm and refreshed on the outside, but on the inside, man, it's almost like, you know, it, there's... There's such a passion from him in me for this subject. Because as sad as it may sound, I feel like that so much of the body of Christ is only interested in what church and coming to church and relationship with God means to them or means for them as an individual. What they can get out of it, what's in it for me. And somehow along the way, we've lost what this thing is really all about. And it's about the body of Christ. It's about Jesus building the church. It's about Jesus building the body of Christ. And it's about you and me coming alongside Him 
and receiving grace from Him, being equipped by Him through other people, to then do our part, offer our supply, do our share in building the body of Christ in the earth. It's a lot of things that we've, we've looked at, you know, this 20th year that we're celebrating together. And, and I remember when we actually built this physical building. And all the different people that, that knew this person that could do this or had this resource or, or you know, um, amen, I remember, you know, folks that were not scared of heights that, you know, climb up and walk these beams and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, I just stay on the ground praying the Holy Ghost, right? You know, it's like... You know, Brother Terry's self is standing on top of a two-by-four wall and sharpen his pencil and talk and then bend over and write stuff on. I'm like, oh, oh, you know, Lord, I just need to get out of here. Fear's not, you know. You know, but, but all, the, all the different people that had all the different gifts and talents and abilities and resources and supply, if you will. And, it, and that, was, that was just a sampling. It was, it was a microcosm. It was an example of what was taking place taking place in building this building that, sh that should carry over into building the church that meets in this building. That was one of the things the Lord instructed us to, to say when we moved into this building. Now that the building is completed, it's time to build the church that meets here. Because these walls are not the church. It's a designated place where we meet. And I believe because God meets us here, it should be reverence, it should be respected. But apart from our presence here and it being designated as a place to come and commune with God, this is just concrete, steel, and wood, and sheetrock. Are you following what I'm saying here? You, my friend, you, my brother, sister, you are the church. You are His body. Amen. Jesus said, He could have said it this way, and Peter, that revelation will save your sorry soul from hell one day and make you a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? And it's true, right? If we were all sinners and we were, we, we, but that's not what Jesus said. He went all the way forward to, and I'll build my church. Not just see many people saved, not just see a lot of people helped, not just see a lot of people served. Not, are you understand what I'm saying? He said, I'll build my church. I'll build my church. The church which is my body. We need some renewing of our mind in this area. We need an adjustment of our focus in this area. We need a, we need a, a correcting of our attitude in this area. Amen. I'm not fussing at you, I'm just telling you. Now, I made a statement last Sunday night that as far as God is concerned, it's always been about a body for Jesus. Let me just kind of wade off into this. I, sh I shared with you the passage out of Isaiah. I think it's Isaiah chapter 9 where it says the government will be on his shoulders and that he will reign in his kingdom until every enemy is put under his feet. Shoulders being the uppermost part of the, say it with me, body. Feet being the lowermost part of the body. When we think of a head of state, especially a monarch, a king, or a queen, we think of the government resting upon their head. Jesus didn't say the government will rest upon my head. He said the government will rest upon my shoulder. 
said it for years, I'll say it again. God did not create you just to have something else to rule over. He created you to rule through you, not rule over you. He created you to give his dominion and authority to you so that he could rule this earth through you. So the government, he said, would be on his shoulder and he would rule and reign on his throne in his current state until every enemy is put under his feet. Feet again are on the body. Death was never a threat to Jesus. He didn't say, I will rule until it's all under my chin. It was never over him. It was never a threat to him. Addiction was never a threat to Jesus. Death was never a threat to Jesus. Poverty was never a threat to Jesus. Sickness and cancer was never a threat to Jesus. It was always beneath him. He did what he did to put the government on your shoulders so that all those things could put, be put beneath his feet. Now see, in the body of Christ, we, we tend to think that if we can get some victory in these areas in our own life, that somehow that's all that Jesus came to do. Are you hearing me? It's not just about you having enough money for you and your family. It's about every member of the body of Christ having enough money for them and their family. Not just you being well, it's everybody being well. Not just you being prosperous, it's everybody being prosperous. Aren't you glad Jesus wasn't satisfied with being victorious over death, hell, and the grave himself? No, no, see, it wasn't... It wasn't it, in other words, I know this sounds like a silly way to put it. I speak to you, Paul would use this expression, I speak to you as a man, right? But as far as Jesus is concerned, it doesn't count until you're victorious over it. The win doesn't count until it's a win, not just for you as an individual, but until it's a win for us all. Now, I don't think any of us, again, just have the slightest clue as to just how much our Heavenly Father wants us in heaven with Him. Are you hearing me? He wants us there. It was a part of Jesus's, when I say last prayer, John 17, the last recorded prayer that we have of Jesus. He talked about how he longed for the day when we could all witness him in his glory in heaven because we knew him as a man. We see later that John, in the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos, caught a glimpse and yet human language inspired by the Holy Spirit, was not enough to capture Jesus in His current state. And Jesus cannot wait for us. He longs for you. He loves you. You ever been separated from somebody you really love? Long distance separation? Can't wait for them to be back? Can't wait for them to, to give them a hug and, and, and to actually be in the same room? And, you know, in this day and age, you say, well, there's Skype and there's FaceTime and there's all these other things. Well, man, Father sees you, but it's not the same as you being there with Him. And He longs for that. Why are we not all there? It's because we're in a season where the body of Christ is being built. What is this time for here on this earth? 
It's the body of Christ being built. Let me see how I can say this a different way. Let's say you fulfill the scriptural limit for life on planet Earth, 120 years. Compared to your eternal existence, the Bible still says that your life is but a vapor. If you've ever breathed hot moist breath out of your mouth on a cold morning, dry morning, you see the vapor come out of your mouth and then it disappears. This period of your existence is the most unique of all of your existence. And once our time on earth is through, we will then transition over into our eternal. We're eternal now, I don't mean eternal, but things will shift in other words. Are you hearing me? You're an eternal being. I know that's hard you know, to, to comprehend this physical part of you, this outward part of you is not eternal, but the inward part of you, the real you is an eternal being, it's an eternal spirit. The Bible said that God is not slack concerning His promises as some men count slackness, but He's not willing that any should perish. Jesus, and it's interesting to me how People get this so confused because they take from what he said the exact thing he was trying to correct. He talked about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and pestilence and signs in the heavens and things changing in the earth and, and, and how there would be a decline in morality and all these things. And he said, you will see all of these things happen. You will see all of these things going on around you. But do not be deceived into thinking that just because you're seeing these things that it means the end is near. See, we talk about the signs of the times, like reading the book of Revelation and the newspaper side by side. Well, listen, obviously we're... How long have I been preaching? Praise God. Oh, my goodness. So obviously we're 33 minutes closer to the end than we were when I started preaching a while ago, right? You with me? But do you realize the very thing that Jesus was saying there was don't get this idea that when you see all these things developing that you're to go into hang on to the end mode. That you're to withdraw into the four walls of the church and, and, and hunker down, shelter in place, until the end. Because he said this, the end will not come until every people group on planet earth has received an invitation to come and join the body of Christ. I paraphrase some things there. Until this gospel is preached. Right? The end will not come until the gospel is preached as a witness some people say to, it's translated to every nation. Well, we sponsor missionaries. Jeff and Wendy Garrett and their beautiful family. They've already learned uh, Swahili so they could minister 
to people in Tanzania. Now they're learning Tamil so that they can reach out to a huge population of people native to the continent of India who migrated because of persecution many generations ago into Africa. They still speak Tamil, and yet they're one of the vast people groups on planet Earth that have little to zero gospel witness in them. So they learn that language to be able to minister to those people. Are you following what I'm saying here? I'm trying to emphasize to you that, you know, we think, well, it's not going to come to the gospel's preached. But what is the gospel? The gospel is an invitation to come be a member of the body of Christ. I'm going to close it up here, but let me just, let me say this, all right? Discipleship Counselor Training Class starts on August the 15th. Yes, this is a commercial, okay? I'm excited about it. Glad David and others are. Amen. In the early classes, sometimes the first class, sometimes it carries over into the second and third class, but in the, in the early part of those classes, we talk about the two branches of what God calls the ministry of reconciliation. The first branch of the ministry of reconciliation is when the gospel is preached so that men and women can be born again. The second branch of the ministry of reconciliation is what we call discipleship, or what the Bible calls discipleship. So Jesus told us not to just go and make converts. He said to go and make disciples. If it was just a matter of getting as many people saved as possible, then the moment somebody got saved, they would just go straight to heaven. Why is it that someone is born again and yet now are instructed by Jesus to enter into and submit themselves to a process that He calls discipleship? It's because it's through discipleship that we grow up into Jesus. That we become living, active, functioning members of the body of Christ. It's not just about getting people saved. It's about building the church which is His body. So even when we talk about things like folks getting saved and folks being discipled, those are not just ends unto themselves, but they are means to the greater end of building the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Let me tell you what I've learned in my life, and I'm still I'm learning, okay? I've learned that if you will find out what is God's priority and make it your priority... If you, if you, see, a lot of times we just, and it's, it's very childish, it's very immature of all of us, and we've all done it. I know I've been guilty of it, right? It's like, God, this is what I want. Would you please bless it? God, this is what I want to do. Would you please help me? God, this is the priority in my life. Would you please help me get it? When we grow to the point that we realize, wow, this is the briefest period of my existence, yet so much of what I do now is going to impact the eternity that is ahead of me. And we have a heart towards God that says, Father, what, what is this life really all about? I mean, what, why do we remain in this state of limbo, born again, perfected forever, 
already seated in heaven spiritually, yet remaining slogging through life here on this earth. What, what is this all about? It's about building the body of Christ, which is extremely, extremely important to our Heavenly Father, to the Godhead, to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You have a part in this. You have a part in this. Stand with me. Praise God. Oh, we'll get to some, of the more, some more of this next week. But let me, as you're standing, I won't keep you standing long. Let me just say this, okay? We were all created to belong. Some of the most painful things that we have ever experienced in our lives involve rejection. Where some person, some group of people some of you, and I'm not trying to rake scabs off of old wounds, for some of you it was your own family that rejected you. Such a painful thing. We try to compensate in our lives by belonging, and we, you know, we talk about I'm a I'm a card-carrying Democrat, I'm a member of the Republican Party, I'm a member of the YMCA, I'm a member of First Baptist Church, I'm a member of the hunting club, I'm a member of the cheerleading squad, I'm a member of the football team, I'm a member, I'm a member, I'm a member, I'm a member, right? Trying to find people and groups and causes that we can all become a member of. Some of those things are important. Some of those things are worthwhile. Some of those things can be very beneficial to us. Others, not so much. But please hear me. The most treasured, the most valued, the most beautiful, the most important membership that exists is to become a member of the body of Christ. A member of the body of Christ. It is the most important membership that was ever been made available to you and it was made available to you and me at very at a very very high cost let me say it another way somebody paid your dues for you amen amen father thank you for these beautiful men and women in this room tonight thank you father for each one of them Never been another, never will be another identical to each individual person in this room. Me and my brother came from the same mother and father, and although we have many similarities, we are so vastly different, so vastly different in the way we're gifted, in the way our minds work, Father, and the things that you have for us to do. What a beautiful diversity that you've created in your body and your people. Father, I thank you that your body is beginning to wake up to what it means to be the body of Christ. Father, that this message is not just coming forth in this house, but Father, your Holy Spirit is inspiring men and women all over the world to begin to emphasize the importance of not just being a member of the body of Christ, but being an active member with the vital life-giving connections you speak of in your word with one another. 
Father, I thank you that this house is a house of fellowship. It's a house of community. It's a house of communion with one another and with you. I thank you, Father, that your purposes are prospering in our hands. That you're building a body here that you can rest your government upon. And with that government, your kingdom come, Lord, then your will being done. Every enemy being put under our feet. Not just as individuals, Father, but as, as a body, as a whole. Thank you, Lord, for the week ahead. I pray, Father, that we would embrace the truth that we are salt in the earth, we are light, and may our light so shine among others that they see our good works and glorify you, Father, in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.